Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today we have a very special guest, host of Golf Channel's Golf Central, Miss Cara Banks. Cara has been with the Golf Channel since 2015 after making the move from Sky TV in the UK. She chronicles her time spent at the Golf Channel, what life has been like during the wild 2020 season. We discuss the Women's US Open, transitioning across the Atlantic, as well as becoming a mother. Great interview that we hope you all enjoy. So without further ado, Cara Banks. to the Four Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Four Jack Podcast brought to you by Jackson Labs. Huge one today, really fun one. Uh, Big guest that we've been trying to chase down for a while, but uh, before we get into our guests, we'll just say hello to the boys. Tom, what's happening, dude? Not too much, boys. Excited to be here. This next guest, we have a lot of the same interests, travel, food, wine, and golf, right? <laughs> Fitness, I need to get a little more back into that life, but maybe she can inspire me here today. <laughs> Absolutely. My man, Parks, what's going on? Not much, man. Yeah, big guest tonight. Looking forward to this one. Uh, it's always fun to have a golf channel personality on the show, get a little insight. What's really cool is we caught her at such a wicked, wicked time because the women's open's going on, and she's down there in Houston t- uh, covering, so it's going to get a uh, little insight into what's going on and a little peek behind the curtain tonight. Yeah, and speaking of said guest today, we have host of Golf Central today on the Golf Channel, Mrs. Cara Banks. How are you? I'm good, guys. Nice intro. And yes, I'm sorry we have been flying back and forth with when to do this for a while, but I'm here. I'm pleased to be talking to you. And right, Christmas came early with the U.S. Women's Open in December. We nailed it. Yeah, no kidding. How like, gosh, how, how exciting was that to actually get that and know that like, okay, we're going to have this. I mean, just give us more major golf, please. It's crazy because, I mean, getting used to a Masters in November was one thing. And then kind of reminding yourself that we still have another major this year and, and it's the it's the the US Open, the women's US Open. It's it's pretty epic. This is the one that they'll all tell you win. And it, and actually from speaking to players, the weirdest thing is that the whole clubhouse here at Cyprus is decorated with all the Christmas decor and all the music. And it, it's for them to get used to getting ready to play a major and 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 it being Christmas time, but everyone's just obviously grateful that that they can do that in 2020. Yeah. And what's the word on the on the course down there, I mean, uh, what are the players kind of saying about it and what's it looking like? I mean, obviously, we've never really seen major golf at this time of the year. So, I mean, what's uh, what's the conditions like? Well, it's two courses, which is the first thing, which has mm-hmm. never happened before in, in, the, in the U.S. Women's Open. So that has to be the case, given that we're in December and, and daylight hours are obviously limited. So they're having two tee starts and threesomes off of two courses for the first two days. And then, then they'll make the cut and just play Cypress Creek um, over the weekend. So there's a lot like it's a lot of golf. Everyone's on the golf course at one time, which, you know, is typically unheard of because you'll have a morning and an afternoon wave. And then, look, the golf club are trying to make the two courses play as similarly as they can. But they obviously have different looks to them. Cypress Creek has a huge, huge green, some of the biggest you'll see in, in U.S. Open golf. And Jack Rabbit's a bit narrower and perhaps um, a, a bit more of a second shot golf course. We'll have to see. It's all about placement, really, on, on, on a lot of the greens. But... Tomorrow, everything could change because the weather forecast is is not good. So we'll see what happens. I like that. God, that's like quite a tall task to ask for out of the USGA, hey, to manage two golf courses like that. I mean, even just to keep the consistency for the players, I mean, 
gosh, I mean, we get enough flack from the or about the USGA every single year with one track. I can't imagine what it's like with two. Yeah, I mean, they've been so good. I have to say the core superintendent here because they had done a renovation on, on the bunkers and stuff on Cypress Creek. And when they realized, I mean, they were lucky that this is where the US Open was scheduled this year and that they had a second course that they could add in to make the December date possible in the first place. And they went ahead and did the bunker renovation on the Jack Rabbit, the second course that they did on Cyprus to try and have them play as similarly as they can. Um, and then the other thing that's kind of unique is that everyone has the same or would have done if play wasn't already being brought forward, but everyone has the same tea time on Thursday and Friday because there was literally just a two hour window of tea time. So rather than flip to the later wave or the earlier wave, the second day, everyone has the exact same tea time and they're trying to get both courses play identical on the two days that they, they host everyone. So Jackie Burke's been a huge part of this and, um, and they, they've pulled it off. It, it's amazing. Everything got done on time today. And the only thing that could possibly inhibit us tomorrow will be the storms that are, that are forecast. Well, good friend of the show, Gabby Ruffles. We'll, we're pulling hard for her. We've been texting with her uh, over the last couple of days, giving her our well wishes. So looks like she did really well today. And uh, hopefully she can uh, make some more birdies tomorrow. Take that. Yes, yeah, she is. She is some talent. She she's playing good too. She got off to a good start. She's playing with a defending champion, so she's in a blockbuster group. And look, that's what's so cool. I think about some of the amateurs nowadays is they're they're as good as the professionals, arguably, because college golf is is so huge. But Gabby's such a, a unique story. I'm pleased you guys are good friends with her. The fact that she was a tennis player became um, golf player only really competed from 2015. It's it's wicked, and her brother obviously in the game as well. Yeah, he's a bit of a talent too. Forced to be reckoned with. We're waiting for him to break through because I mean he's been on the cusp so many times. He just can't close the door, but he will. Yeah, hopefully he will. I think that's what's like it's so we we get so used to watching all these good players compete and and win at, at the big level, and then there's the other side of the coin where it's people just fighting to keep their card and 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 earn a living. And you see that obviously in the men's and women's game. I interviewed Sofia Popov after her round today. First time I've met her, um, obviously she was an epic story winning the Women's um, British Open earlier this year. And, you know, she she was thinking about quitting the game, didn't quit the game. And now she's a major champion. Mel Reed's another one's a good friend of mine. She was doing BBC radio with me a few years ago, even earlier this year, kind of when the tour had shut down. She thought she might just move on. And then look, she comes back, works, gets a, gets a mental coach and wins on the LPGA tour. So it's 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 hard. There are always both sides of, of the coin, and, and not everyone can obviously be winning every week. It's a terrible game, isn't it? I do have one question about the U.S. Open. Is Which course do you think would be more advantageous to start out on? That's a great question because a lot of um, a lot of the girls have said they because they're only going to play Jack Rabbit, the second one, for one day. And then if they make it through to the weekend. So a lot of them have said they'd rather play Jack Rabbit on the first day. Get it, get up, it out of their system. Focus on the on the one course for the three days, which I think would probably be my attitude as well. But at the same time, it's a U.S. Open. You don't have a choice. So accept mm -hmm. accept what draw you get given and convince yourself that that's the, that's the best one. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. And it's going to be chaos anyways. I mean, it's a USGA course. It doesn't matter really where you are. It's, it's going to be difficult. So, yeah. And you can make the argument both ways. Like, particularly if the rain comes down tomorrow, it'll change the golf course. The greens will obviously get softer. Um, so you can make the argument either way. Ultimately, there's no point in the U.S. Open, as, as we know, telling yourself that you got the wrong end of the deal. You got to convince yourself that that's the path to glory. You got to fight, working your way before you even hit hit one shot, and then that's, I guess, halfway to trying to win one of these things. 
That's going to be the battle. But even besides the players and uh, yourself, I mean, this is a very strange situation for you to be in. Covering majors in November, December, and then going into this crazy super season. I mean, this is like, this is the first time in your career you've ever really had to deal with this. I mean, how is this going? Yeah, it's true. But but it's also cool. Like, I remember when the dates first came out for this and I was thinking, oh, you know, will we already be back in England for, for the holiday <laughs> holidays <laughs> then or will we not? And obviously we're not. And actually it's the PNC Father Son next week, which is at the Ritz, which is our home club in Orlando, which, as you know, is going to be a big deal with Tiger and Charlie and, and JT playing. But I think it doesn't really matter for us when these big events come because in our world, the world stops when you have one of these big major weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being at the Masters and yes, it was November and obviously looked very different and we didn't have patrons there. And, you know, I have emails coming in about personal stuff and I'm like, it's Masters week, I'll talk to you next year. Yeah. <laughs> people obviously not in golf don't really work like that. Fortunately, my husband is in, the, is in the golf industry as well. So whenever we're invited to a wedding or some big occasion comes up, like our, our first thing is we have to check the golf calendar. <laughs> yeah. And I think given that we all sat around for months on end um, while nothing was happening, we're just grateful that we we have these tournaments to come back to. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue then. I wanted to kind of dive into that with you. When golf stopped at the players and you're sitting there going, okay, so now what? Yeah. Do we have maybe like a timeline here? And then all of a sudden it's now reruns every day and then golf central still going on. And what was that vibe like when golf stopped and you're like, okay, so what, 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 am, what am I here to do? Yeah, I think it happened with us quite early on. Like I think it hit us in the golf world quite early because it was so dramatic given that it was in the middle of the players' championship. And I think, you know, my husband and I are, are, are both think the same in the set and he was at the players as well working and we were like, oh, don't be stupid. Like, you know, this isn't going to be, this, this isn't, they're not going to cancel the championship. That's what we all thought. <laughs> right. And then obviously they did. Um, and I remember driving back to Orlando from Jacksonville and, and speaking to some family in England and, and they were sort of similarly trying to play it down. And I was like, no, this is actually a really big deal. Like our whole world has just stopped. You know, the golf world had stopped turning, which is our, is our day to day. And, um, you know, only actually for a few days did we not do anything. Golf Central fortunately got us all um, filming from home pretty early on. So um, it wasn't quite to the extent that it normally is, but you know, we started producing 30 minute daily shows seven days a week and, and um, either just through um, one of these uh, pieces of software on the computer, or in fact, I had like an F5 camera come over to the house and had like a mini studio setup. So having that, like we would only be scheduled to do it a couple of times a week, but at least having that a couple of times a week kind of kept you dialed in and gave you a bit of a schedule to follow rather than endless days. Of, of wondering what's going on. And then the other thing is we've we've got a baby. Well, he's a one and a half year old now, but at the time, you know, everyone would message and say, aren't you bored? I was like, are you kidding? Like I'm <laughs> suddenly a yeah. mom every day and I, I've only got two hours between the next sleep or the next feed. And like, I really didn't have time to, to get too bored. Yeah, it's too bad. It would have been a prime opportunity for you to get out there and play some golf, but uh, <laughs> we're trying to get a nap some, in. Yeah, there's some work <laughs> to be done there. Well, we have we have some childcare when we're both working. And I said to her, look, I, I know we really need to honor you some hours. She was like, no, don't worry. I said, no, well, we'll take as many hours to go play golf. <laughs> because yeah. fortunately, you know, Gosh, we, were still, we were still able to play golf in Florida most of the time. Yeah, you guys were really fortunate down there. Let's take a little, uh, let's take a little time travel and take us all the way back into Cara's 
introduction to golf and how you got involved with golf in the first place? So I never played uh, remotely competitively, which you would know as soon as you teed it up with me. But I did grow up a golf <laughs> family in the sense <laughs> that my dad, it's funny because like everyone presumes you play college golf, but I grew up in England and um, obviously didn't do that. But my dad's business is golf uh, vacations. He he used to, he's always been in the travel business, and he had a he had a company called Destination Golf, and used to basically sell golf holidays to to America. And uh, I have some godparents that live out here, and we'd come out kind of for a month every summer, and we'd travel to the resorts that he was selling, and we spent a lot of time um, in golf resorts. He's a very good player himself. My mum learned the game when she met him. My mum is a skier, and he learned to ski when she was with him. So that's my upbringing but my cousin is a professional or was a pga professional tried to qualify for the open a few times and that's his career so my my whole family have always been into golf and i've kind of grown up watching it and you know lying on the on the couch on a sunday afternoon listening to peter ellis who sadly as we know we lost recently but um i would walk and watch my dad and my brother and my cousin play in these tournaments at um at the club that we're a member at down in, in Deal in Kent, really near Royal St. George's, it's Royal St. Ports. Um, and so I understood the game. I had this fundamental understanding of the game from an early age and I'd watch them. It was match play that they did every summer. And it was a great way to learn the game because as we all know from Ryder Cups, match play is a fun way to follow rather than, than trying to count strokes perhaps. So I always understood it, but I just didn't really have any young friends my age that played. So I never really... I could always swing a club, but I never really played until a lot later in life. And I'm still struggling to break 90. So, um, but I have a great time shooting in the 90s. Sometimes. As long as you have a good time, it's all, it's all relative. Really matters. This yeah. sounds like a good social media campaign. Kara's quest to break 90. Yeah. Yeah. It's been going for a while. And now I've got, as I say, I'm a mom. It's even harder. But, um, and now we're scheduled to move to Connecticut. It's going to get... Vince moving to Florida and suddenly become this great golfer. It hasn't happened yet. Your golf season is going to be like four months long. This is going to be, you're going to want to travel for golf and for work for sure. Any excuse to get away. Right. Well, now you can uh, finally experience what the Canadians uh, deal with. Every single <laughs> yes. Year. What we endure every year. Yeah. How long is your golf season? Oh. Well, we're in Vancouver, <laughs> so it can, it can be all year, I guess in a way, but like we're, we're originally from like in Edmonton. I mean, you might get, Five months, six months, and like the most. two of those months are prime golf months. The rest is garbage. So you're battling the elements consistently. Okay. Although like summertime golfing in Edmonton is one of the greatest things imaginable because like you can tee off at seven o'clock p.m. and play eighteen. Yeah. Eight. O'clock. That is eight o'clock. It's beautiful. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah, like having sunlight to like eleven, eleven thirty. That's a nice feeling. It is coming yeah, home it, from work, pounding out the gym, and then going to the golf course and still playing eighteen is a great feeling. It's not a bad game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you had a great introduction to golf. You were kind of serendipitously introduced to the game and involved and dragged through it, so to speak. But what was the transition like from college slash work to now being involved as a golf personality or, or enduring into that sports broadcaster world? You know, I guess I was lucky in a sense. I felt lucky that I always knew what I wanted to do. Like I knew that I wanted to work in TV. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I felt lucky in that sense because I could focus on getting there. Whereas a lot of my friends in college and stuff were like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. And, you know, I would fall into something. So I knew that's what I wanted to do. Now, I didn't know that I wanted to do necessarily golf TV to begin with, but I knew I wanted to to be on air and I wanted to be a host. But I also knew that that's a very hard way to just, jump into it so I 
I actually started in entertainment and I was working as a production runner, you know, making cups of tea and stuff in the London studios for, for a, like a Saturday night chat show with the celebrities and stuff. And it was fun, but I just suddenly felt like entertainment was such a different, had such a different foundation to sport because I'd grown up in a sporting family and sport has facts and numbers and stats and history to work off. And it gives you that backbone um, that I really enjoyed having and using. So I thought perhaps I'm, you know, I'm more suited to sport and that's the way I should work into to the TV career I want to have. And so I soon realized that golf would be the way for me to do that because it was the sport that I knew the best. I had a fundamental understanding of it. Yes, tennis and skiing and stuff as well, but I, I landed a job at, at IMG in London who who were part of European Tour Productions. And I soon realized that that's somewhere that I could really have a big input because I knew that I understood the game well enough to do that. Um, but I started like as a production secretary and then I was the personal assistant to the managing director of European Tour Productions for two years, but always doing bits on the side and, and learning to produce and doing bits of on camera on, in my own time that I, that I always kind of did growing up, growing up and then just would work over time and right place, right time, and eventually kind of work my way from behind the camera to in front of the camera. And actually it was a really good way to go because I now understand how production works and what it takes to write a script or, you know, edit a feature or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Full and, circle, yeah. And that would have been like, I mean, you can pick up enough knowledge as, as you think you may need. But then golf is kind of funny because I'm sure you must have had like almost like a culture shock moment when you're getting involved with like, Cookie and Brandle and Nota Begay and all these guys. And you're like, whoa, like these guys are like masters of this. Like there's way too much knowledge for <laughs> anyone to take in. And you're like, okay, like even when you build a script, but like when you're free running it and you're like, okay, so I got to take in all of this now. And I might have to take some notes and reread these tonight. I mean, it, I'm sure that must have been a big transition for you to like get involved. Yeah, I mean, the, the transition to the to the US full stop was a big transition because not only am I moving across the Atlantic on my own and my now husband at the time, my boyfriend from England as well, he didn't move full time to begin with because of, you know, visas and immigration and stuff take a while to work out. But um, and suddenly doing live TV every morning was something that I hadn't really done before. And then. Yeah, all of a sudden I'm working with these guys who first and foremost were my dad's heroes. <laughs> yeah. Cookie, like John Cookie's such a legend and, and you know, Chris DeMarco and these guys have, have all been wonderfully supportive and nota and, and become great friends. And, you know, my dad is all of a sudden downloading VPNs in England to try and watch <laughs> Golf Channel. And he's like, I had so much money on Cookie when he lost the Open. And, you know, <laughs> come to Orlando, can I play golf with him? And I feel like I'm living my, my dad's yeah, life. Yeah, exactly over here but um yeah you do you do pinch yourself as well you know to be working with um you know people like Chris DeMarco who we've all watched at the Masters coming so close with Tiger Woods and um and all the other analysts that we have Trevor Immelman but you know I think what I learned as soon as I joined Golf Channel and it does sound like a cliche but it was like walking into a family like I'll never forget the first morning I arrived um I I wasn't on air that day. I was shadowing morning drive and I walked into the newsroom at like 4am and they were in the production meeting and Lauren Thompson just got up and opened her arms out so wide. And it was just, you know, I just really felt embraced from the beginning and everyone's always been so welcoming for another person in the team. And you soon realize that you're all just kind of 
yeah, you're just all teammates and everyone's trying to support each other. Everyone makes mistakes. No one's perfect. Everyone's trying to help everyone else out, you know, no matter what you kind of did in your career beforehand. So it's just been a really great group of people. Okay. I got a good question. Who is the biggest keener out of the bunch and who is the biggest shit disturber out of that group? <laughs> okay. Well, it depends which show you're working on. Brandle is obviously the biggest keener. Uh, yeah. That has to be. Okay. I teed that up for you. That was too easy. <laughs> right. He does. And, and obviously, like I had the morning drive days and then I moved to Golf Central. So now I do a lot more work with Brandle um, and Nota and those guys. So Brandle does more work than anyone I've ever met. It's it's outstanding, actually. You know, he'll sit and watch the, the whole broadcast and he has like a bit of one piece of paper that he writes everything. How he understands what he writes when we're on air, I have no idea. But he has some sort of grid formation with the 18 <laughs> players. And, Hieroglyphs. And crosses and circles and I don't know what that tells him what they've done, but he studies and studies and studies. And you can even tell, you know, on his social media days prior, you know, he's covering the U.S. Women's Open this week on Golf Central back in studio in Orlando. And you can tell all of a sudden his social media the week prior is like pictures of girls swings that he's noticing how great they are. And I'm like, there's Brandle doing his research. <laughs> um, so he's definitely the most studious. I think everyone likes to have a good bit of fun. Like Nota off camera always wants to have a good bit of fun. Um, I have a good I have a good time with Nota. Everyone's trying to like, you know, mess you up behind the scenes, but actually yeah. not really. You know, they're fine. Steve Sands is another fun guy, but I don't really work with the hosts very often because we all do the same job. So I'll work with a Nota or a Brandle or a Frank Nobolo before he moved on or, or whoever it might be. Yeah, I mean that. It is such a funny environment there. You got you talk about like the team there, and it does seem like it's a team all the time. And it, it is such a good group. I mean, that's why we're always so gravitated towards the Golf Channel. But the Golf Channel is very funny though as well because like you think about it, name another sport that you will sit down and watch all day, every day, seven days a week. There's only so much you can talk about, and that's why like Brandel is one of those guys that you kind of have you to be like bring oh, that. Thank God you're here. Like you you are. <laughs> a student of the game till the day you die. Bring me more knowledge. Like there's only one reason why I'm watching this. I want more knowledge. Yeah, it's nice. It's, well, it's full circle for sure with those guys. Go ahead. Carl. The producers, I think are incredibly grateful for Brandel because you know, you're building a show and he will come to them and go, okay, I want this breakdown. I want this player down the line, face on these angles, pause the swing at the top, pause the swing at impact. And this is what I'm going to show. And he'll build a, three, four minute breakdown on his own that, that fills, fills a nice piece of the show, but every analyst has their own style. That's definitely Brandel's style. And, you know, my job is to ask the questions and to kind of know where to steer them. But um, every analyst tries to do their own thing. You know, Nick Faldo works with us and he works on CBS obviously as well, but you know, he's a guy who's a legend of the game who can talk plenty, but he also puts the work into He'll always be on the driving range early in the week or in the morning before he's on air, talking to the players, trying to figure out some stories, like, because there's, you know, you can never say enough about being on site and everything else you can learn by just being here in person. You know, this week I'm trying to add stories about the players to coverage and just being here on Tuesday and Wednesday and being on the driving range and being able to talk to Danielle Kang's boyfriend, Maverick McNeely, about what it's like for him being a spouse, not a player. And, Stuff like that is is unbeaten. So I think everyone, Brandle doesn't do that because he works off stats and facts, and that's not his thing. But for some analysts, that is their thing. Yeah, yeah it is interesting, like how everyone develops their own process. Like even the other day, I'm listening to Jerry Seinfeld's podcast with Tim Ferriss, and he like 
goes into how he writes things. And it's like, I got this one little book where I just throw all my, like all my crazy ideas into. And then I've got, I take that and I sift through it and I say, this is like where I'm trying to actually end up now. How do I get there and like create some piece of content? And I would imagine, yeah, producers would love having someone like Brandle that like is helping push the initiative on, on what it is they're trying to create where he's like, Hey, this is my idea. Then it gives them a little more direction. Yeah, and like I'm always learning with how to best organize yourself uh, to have everything at your fingertips when you're on air. Because when I'm doing live froms, you know, it's different. I've got, you know, I've got my computer. I know I can, I've learned how I do it for that. But I'll never forget like when I first started and I was doing morning drive and I was trying to figure out how to best prep for every show. And I said to Damon Hack after a few weeks, I said, okay, I think I figured it out. Like, I think this is the best way for me to do it. And he was like, oh, let me know when you figured it out. <laughs> Okay, right. There's no, there's no blueprint for how to do this. There's, there's no, you know, there's no set way. Everyone has their own style. And even this week, I'm sitting down with Dan Hicks in the trailer in the compound. I'm like, so, like, how do you do it, Dan? What do you have in front of you on your desk when you're in the booth on air calling golf? Um, and I'm sure it's very different to what Mike Tirico has or, you know, what Jim Nance has. And I, but you can learn from what everyone does. I, I leaned on Rich Lerner a lot when I first started doing Golf Centrals and Live Froms to learn how how he scripts things in advance or how he preps his player notes and stuff. Because the, the other thing with golf is there's a lot of players, 150 plus in a field every week, and you're, you're likely going to definitely in a broadcast going to touch on most of them, you know, live from, you know, you're going to touch on all the big names. So you've got to have a bit of ammo for everyone if you can. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you put together quite a career already. I mean, there must be some sort of process that's been put in place. Like what does that look like for you? Even just on a, very broad scale i mean it must you must have something that works very well for you to be in this position yeah take us through your process the secret formula give us a little peek <laughs> yeah. behind the my, curtain my here process. we're looking, we're looking, yeah. looking for ours. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah touche that's very kind of you i um i think with golf you well you it's hard to really i mean you 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 can and you have to switch off but you've always got to kind of keep one eye on what's going on because it's it's kind of um forever going never really ending except for a couple of weeks over Christmas, it shuts down. What I try and do is we're very lucky behind the scenes at Golf Channel, NBC, who I'm working with this week, you know, we get given research um, notes, get sent to us every week for every tournament. We get notes on the tournament, on the tour and on the players. Um, Almost so much that it's hard to digest it all. Plus then you'll get tournament notes from that tournament that week or the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour or whoever it is. So there's never a shortage of, of material to read. It's just how you organize it. For me personally, I just have my own Word document and I start it. And every time I'm reading notes on the players and the weeks building up to it, whether it's just on Twitter, you know, a good old tweet from Justin Ray is always is always a good note. Or, you know, whether it's um, something I've read in an article or heard on, on a program, I'll just quickly write that in. And then I slowly build up that document uh, as it gets closer to the week and then I continually working on it during the week and writing in notes like later tonight or tomorrow morning, I'll probably write in notes about the first round. So I've always kind of got this like backbone of nuggets on players that I know I can go to in a pinch. So I know that I've got something to say that will naturally probably prompt the analyst I'm with to embellish that. Or then they might just go, yeah, thanks Cara and talk about what they want to talk about. Sounds like a good uh, cheat sheet setup. I like this. For sure. Yeah, cheat sheet. And the other thing which I learned off Rich Lerner is, you know, there's that's the player side of things. And then um, with, 
with kind of generic scripting for this is more if I'm doing a live from, you know, you're, you're often going to have beauty shots in and out of break or, you're, you know, you know, just generic lines that you can say about the tournament or the history of it or quote someone or something that you can use. It's nice to have kind of a separate page of that that can come in handy when you, you've run out of things to say. Now, not saying that you do this, and I'm pretty sure that these notes that you're getting are pretty in-depth. But how many yes. times have you gone on Twitter and found something that is like, whoa, I did not see that. Like, that's perfect. Like, the golf Twitter world is pretty insane. Like, you're getting some stats that are like, you're not finding anywhere else. Yeah, the golf Twitter is brilliant, right? Yeah. You guys know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's yeah, that we can get so much information on Twitter. And I already gave Jay Ray a shout out because he used to work with us at Golf Channel and, and has moved on, but he's kind of the king of, of Twitter stats. But even just for, I think Twitter is so good now because everything that any of the journalists do is is published via Twitter, right? It's a link to their to their article. So, you know, Beth Ann Nichols this week is a phenomenal voice for the women's game and always had be, has been. And everything she tweets, it's a link to an article that she's written. Um, so I, you know, my husband and I both, rather than read newspapers, we just read Twitter. It's the yeah. best source of news that there is now. What I need to get more organized with is, you know, like you can do those lists on Twitter and you can have like golf or tennis or politics, or whatever, which I kind of started and didn't do properly. So sometimes when you really do just want golf Twitter, but you've got to filter through all the other stuff you follow to, to get to it. That's like ours. I've kept it very clean to golf <laughs> only. And it's like very insightful. You're like, oh, okay, perfect. This is what I need. <laughs> who's your, who's your, uh, who's your number one golf follow? That's hard to say. I mean, no laying up is always first on my, like those boys. I like to listen to what they got going on. I like their opinions yeah. on it. Like they're always very funny to me, but very like candid, it's just what I like about it the most is when you start seeing like those strokes gain stats that you're like, Oh, I would not have gotten that from TV. Like that's not there. This is like in depth analytics. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, having, having golf Twitter on while you're watching the broadcast is yeah. a whole level of commentary. I think that's Tom Abbott's uh, recipe for success. I think he alluded to that when we were so fortunate to have him on the show a while back. Golf Twitter. I just saw him at dinner and I should have mentioned that I was talking to you guys because someone said that he was, he, he was with you guys, but yeah, he's always keeping an eye on, you know, when I first started doing it, I was like, Oh my God, people are on their phones during a broadcast. It's like, well, actually, yeah. Cause you might get some good information come through or, you know, one of your colleagues might text you and know what a player that's good to use. So yeah, absolutely. Let's switch gears here a little bit. Let's talk about becoming a mother and how that's been uh, a different experience for you. Yeah, that's been wild. You know, something that obviously I always wanted to do um, and uh, you never realize, and it'll, this will sound cliche, but you just don't realize how cool it's going to be until until it happens to you. And we're very fortunate. We had a great I had a healthy pregnancy and labor and we've got a really great, a great little boy. But I think at the time, you, you know, you have, you have a kid and you feel like you're the only person in the world to have ever had a baby. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Cause obviously you're not, but um, everyone is incredibly kind supportive and, and generous. Like I'll never forget Trevor Immelman and his wife came, Jesse, our son was born on June 1st. And then it was, I think the U S open the following week, which I normally would have been at with Trevor and everyone doing live from. And obviously I was on maternity leave and literally as soon as they got home, Trevor and his wife came over with one of their kids and bought this whole big like bucket of clothes and gifts. And it was just, you know, I think particularly when it's your first, everyone is just, is just so supportive. And again, that's where the whole golf channel family came in. And then 
you know, whenever I see anyone now, still everyone asks, how's your kid? How's your son? How's he doing? And I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Like, <laughs> so, I'm here too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you want to take him? Um, I want to play golf. Yeah, he's all yours right. for the weekend. It's definitely, it's definitely been hard to, um, yeah, obviously time becomes a bit, a bit trickier because, um, I love my job and feel very fortunate to do what I do. And I will always want to continue doing that. And I'm lucky in a sense that my schedule allows me to kind of either be at work, be it in the studio or on the road, and then just be at home and be mum. So I can, I can do that. And mind you, in kind of the quarantine time when everything was shut down, I did turn around to my husband and said, I can't, I can't, I can't do this all day, every day. I don't have an escape. I gotta like, go. You go to your office and work from home and I can't do this every I'll be day. I'll Great hard work. <laughs> So I, I have a lot that. of respect for people that are that are a full-time stay-at-home mums because I really appreciate having that balance. I've always said I think it makes me a better mum because when I'm at home, I appreciate having all that time even more. But look, being here this week and, and speaking to a lot of the the women here who are who are mums, it's it's actually phenomenal. And it's quite interesting right now because it's as if there's been this new wave of LPGA tour players who've kind of just gone through that. Um you know, there was the Julie Inksters and everyone for a while, Karen Stupples, who I worked with. And then there was kind of this gap and there wasn't really players of that age on the LPGA Tour starting families. And there has been recently. And it's kind of really cool to see them all come back out, trying to compete at the highest level. And I can really relate to it now that I have been in that situation. I understand what it's like to leave them or figure out if you can do something during nap time. But, you know, I spoke to Brittany Lindsaycomb earlier this week because... I know what it's like to try and travel with a baby. Now we have a great setup at home. As soon as we try and travel, it's chaos. I was like, so what do you, you know, what do you do when you've got a sick, you know, 7am tea time and you're trying to creep out of a hotel room at 5am. And let's be honest, I haven't met a hotel room door that's quiet. Um, so she said, oh, I just have Emery sleep in her pack and play in the closet. I was like, great idea. I never, I never thought of just shoving them in the closet. So look, players, that's their normal, I suppose, right? Their normal is, is being on the road. So Just a compartment in their golf bag that they can put the baby in, right? <laughs> open up the tour bag. The cooler pack. Yeah. yeah. That's quiet. It's I, I have to say, being here this week, I've seen I've seen little kids and a couple of babies around with with players and, and grandparents. And it's something that you obviously don't see as much on the PGA tour. Um and it's it's cool. It it really kind of brings to, to life, you know, shows you the real side of, of the life that these these girls live. Yeah, it's not all glamour, right? It's like, hey, Caddy, you got your first assistant. Now you're going to be carrying the bag and the baby. And Don't the worry bag. about it. Like, you got the little bag. strap so you can do it to your chest. <laughs> and if you need moms over here, there you go. Yeah, you're right. just, you're just book in the front. You're good to go. Love Britt that. did that for a while with her caddy. Yeah. Oh my god, that's hilarious. wow! It's actually been done. That's amazing. I think it was. I think it was more for a photo op than that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah I like that. You got to. You got to give us a little insight into what your biggest, like, fan out moment was. What was the biggest, like, oh my god, I'm actually getting in front of this person, or I'm actually in the same room as this person. What was What was your first moment in sports broadcasting like that? My first moment was really, really early on, and um, it was before I was at Golf Channel. It was when I was doing my old job, and I was. Um, presenting for Golfing World, which was an IMG produced program that aired on Sky Sports in the United Kingdom. And sadly, my younger brother passed away 10 years ago now, and he was um, a big golfer as well. And um, he actually had just won a big tournament with my dad the summer before he passed away. And it was 
a freak accident and it wasn't like it was something we were expecting. But anyway, he was a massive Luke Donald fan. Ah. Luke was the guy and uh, he had been to one of the schools in England that every year get the um, get the get the opportunity to do the scoreboards at the Open. Like he went to Charterhouse and then another school, Cranley. They, they have these two schools that always run the scoreboards on 18 at an Sick. Open which is one of the funny stories about an open and, and actually the two schools usually have a bit of a competition for who can get this, you know, the person's name and the score up fastest. Anyway, my brother Miles came home that year with like Luke Donald's name, massive name, like massive yellow board thing that went up on the, on the big scoreboard on 18 because Luke was his guy. So we had this enormous Donald thing in our house for a long time. Anyway, and, um, you know, he, he sadly left us and I was in the December of 2009 and in the March of 2010, I was on one of my first big trips to, to the US. I hadn't moved here yet. And I was at the um, WGC at Doral, what was the Cadillac Championship. And I, for the first time, was like on the range um, at a PGA Tour event and Luke Donald was there. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I know like it's not it's not the biggest wow factor for a lot of people. But for me, that was suddenly like, oh, my God, I'm here with these players. And oh, like, you know, sad that I got the phone and tell my brother I was here. But the same it was like, wow, it's so cool. This is what I do now. And this is like someone that my family followed for for ages. And and I'm here and interviewing these guys and, and talking to them week in, week out. And then like weirdly full circle, my husband ended up being on the management team for Luke Donald how many years later. No, <laughs> wow. Maybe your brother had a little uh, something to do with that. It's weird how things work out. Do you ever get that giant uh, name board signed by Luke? I would have I would asked him for his address <laughs> no. and shipped it to him. I, like, buddy, I, I gotta get this out of my house. <laughs> We're sending this to your address. I need a ship to, please. It's been over my parents' yeah. kitchen table for no, years. If I ask Luke for anything now, it's bottles of wine because he yes. makes... Really good wine. Is he is he making a comeback? What's going on with Luke? Give us a little insider info. I don't know. I, I I think he would love to. I think he struggled obviously with some injuries. He he made that change when he moved away from from Pat Goss and then went back to Pat Goss, and that was a, um, such a key point in his career. And I think everyone's always trying to chase chase the next best thing and 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 the next you know trying to be even better than they are. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, the fact that Luke was able to do what he was able to do anyway is phenomenal that you know this fact that so just shows how important a short game is right you yeah. can be world number one you can you can win the fedex cup and and you can lead the money standings on both sides race to dubai and the fedex cup it's, it's pretty amazing but i think um you know being a brit it's hard to watch the likes of luke and lee westwood and not win a major and look it's not over yet maybe and, and westwood certainly been playing better recently but um Ollie, my other half, was with Luke at Marion when he came so close, oh. and it was obviously Rosie that got it done that year instead. But um, he's had a great career, and he's had a great Ryder Cup career, and who knows what's to come. But I think it's um, yeah, it's tough when not everything is working every month or year of your career. You know what? He's a fellow visor wearer, so I have to <laughs> show some love to him. It's just it's unfortunate. Not enough guys wear visors out there, and you got to except for Poulter, but. You get, doesn't count. You love to hate Poulter sometimes, <laughs> so we'll talk you about gotta, that. You gotta have day. good hair to put off the that's, vibe. Yeah, that's a tough look. <laughs> gonna have yeah. that little frosty tip. I mean, you can go the other look. I mean, you can go with the Tommy Fleetwood. I mean, that's probably the guy you should be cheering for, and he's just got like the mop <sighs> on him. That's I mean. ugly lettuce, man. That's gotta go. And that's a good move. Hey, there's a lot of people. Thomas Peters is trying to pull off the long curly hair now as well. So yeah, Ozzy, Ozzy's got it going. Abe Answer's got it Smith. going. Cameron, Cameron Smith, Smith yeah. might have the best mullet on tour. 
No, Abe answers like the best mullet on tour. I, I can't believe that Augusta allowed in that many mullets in the first place. Yeah, you're so right about Abe. I had I saw him at the Masters, and I was like, dude, you've got you. Did you see? Did you see? I, like, I haven't seen. Yeah, what has Dale been saying to you, man? Oh my god, keep it going, buddy. Keep we it could, going. Okay, we got to give a little little love to Dale Valelli. Yeah, Abe's caddy. He's a good friend of the show. He's a fellow Canadian. Good friend of a friend of a friend. Blah blah blah. Um. Abe rocking the mullet. Okay, semi-acceptable out of Augusta. Maybe not. You think somebody would have pinned him down and cut his hair, but Dale was out there smoking a lot of cigarettes, and that got a ton of attention over the Masters coverage. So and His the, caddy was. His caddy yeah. was. He's our highest-listened-to podcast because anytime Abe answers in contention, everyone on the internet starts Googling who's Abe answers caddy. Snapping and- photos of him smoking darts on the golf course. Terrible. That is so I don't know his caddy, but I do know that, that Abe is a stud. Like he's always oh. a dark horse. That was the first time he'd even played the Masters and look how good he did. And that was something. that was the greatest thing to watch him playing with Dustin as well. Especially like coming into eleven when DJ's got like a seven iron and <laughs> Abe's hitting three, three wood. wood with a T. <laughs> yeah. Can I tee this up? Yeah, like that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, was funny. Um, he played good at the President's Cup too. Like oh, he like unbelievable. He was, Obviously, he ran into Tiger on Sunday, but he had a really good week then, too. Ah, and you know what? Yeah, Tiger was the best player of the week, so it was kind of tough to take him down. But the fact that it's not that he was like, oh, I want to take him on. It's like, hey, you know, that'd be kind of nice. That you know, I'm playing well. That produced be the to. best meme of 2020 golf meme on social media. The Which putt one? where he's oh, putting and he, you know, it's oh. rolling and he, yeah. Have you seen that one? Walked out of it. That's ridiculous. You have to Google that putt on social media. It's like Tiger hits the putt and then he turns around and shake hands and the putt's rolling for about five more minutes and then goes. <laughs> oh, the I have putt. seen that. Yeah. 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 Then he does the quick look tiger. back and it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it went in. Uh, before I pass it on to segment that Parks will run with you, I just wanted to kind of ask you one last thing about the golf channel. I mean, you've been there now for quite some time and even your time with Sky, but like, what is the thing the one moment in your career that you were just shocked that you had to announce that you had to deal with over the airways. And you're like, Oh wow. Like this is insane. Like, I guess besides coronavirus, <laughs> that was probably crazy. Wow. Um, a tough question. I don't know. I guess obviously this wasn't a, a shock necessarily, but Arnold Palmer's passing was a big thing at golf channel, given that, um, that he'd founded us. So that was something that, um, we weren't expecting to necessarily come when it uh, come when it did, um, which was just before the Ryder Cup in at Hazeltine uh, in 2016. So that was always going to be a tough thing to deal with the Golf Channel because of his history founding us. Um, and um, yeah, I think it being on the Sunday night, I think it was on the Sunday before the week passed. So I wasn't doing live from then. I was still doing morning drive, but everyone like rallying. I know Rich was kind of there in the dark on Sunday night with with Frank Novello trying to, trying to get something up on the air. So that's definitely something that stands out. Um, I can't think of anything else that's been, that's been massively shocking. Obviously coronavirus was a, uh, was a big thing. And the Olympics was pretty cool. It was something that we were expecting. It wasn't a shock, but you know, to be able to cover the first time the golf was back in the Olympics mm-hmm. was amazing, even though it was kind of weird because not everyone wanted to play, but the guys that did, bought into it and you know I know from speaking to Fooch is a good friend of ours who used to caddy for, for Rosie uh, as you guys know like it, that was the only thing that they wanted to do that year that was that was their goal to win gold like and everything else obviously it's not like they forgot about it but the whole year was structured around 
how do we win this gold medal because we're never going to have anything else like it and they pulled it off and it was it was so cool to see knowing the backstory that went into that and um how special it is to, to both of them so those are a couple of things that stand out there's nothing that's been too surprising fortunately because golf is fairly predictable in its schedule at least mm-hmm. did you get to spend some time with mr palmer I did actually before I joined Golf Channel in my old role, and it was at Pinehurst, the US Open in 2014. And I did a sit down with him <laughs> in the in the clubhouse, and he was his he was his typical self. I think he uh, squeezed me very tight when we when we said hello, <laughs> and he <laughs> he would have flown me around the world on his private jet back in the day and all this kind of stuff. So he had just a romancer, yeah, the yeah. Time. that's beautiful. Yeah. That's very cool. Okay, we're going to switch gears here, Car. We're going to do something fun. I have a little rapid-fire 10 prepared. I'm going to fire nine questions at you. Chris is going to have the last one. No skill testing questions, no calculator required, just... A can-do attitude. Just raw raw answers here. First question, you you ready? What's currently in the bag? Not the the diaper diaper bag, (laughs) the golf bag. The baby bag. What are you playing? What are you playing? What kind of weapons? There are a lot of bags. Um, sorry, this isn't very quick fire. <laughs> it never is. Trust me. The Cobra, Cobra clubs, like, is what's in my bag. Okay. Give us a little insight into what you're swinging for a driver and maybe your putter. I actually have a tightless driver, not Cobra. I have a tightless oh. driver. The would don't even know the name of it. How about PSI? New I stuff? think it's the one with the three in it. Uh, D three. Did not D3. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I have in my bag. Shut up. This is not very quick fire. <laughs> and I have a um, Scotty Cameron putter. Love it. Ooh, like that? Love it. Okay. What kind of ball are we playing? Oh, I'm a bit of a ball snob. Ooh. So, <laughs> I do quite like, you know, Pro V1, but I, my husband always reminds me that it really doesn't make a difference what ball I play. <laughs> <laughs> so also whatever I can get, nice whatever guy. I can, can find that I, like I don't that. have to buy is usually a go-to as well. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's the general I'm sure, I'm sure there's a good stock at the Golf Channel floating around. Yeah, I'm sure you yeah. can connect with somebody. Trevor there's actually Michael. not as much as you would think. There's not. But every now and then, yeah. There you go. Well, we know people. We can hook you up if you're ever in need. Yeah. So. <laughs> thank you. Thank are you an outfit person? Are you very strategic about what you're wearing that day? Or are you just kind of whatever? Throw something on. It depends. If it's a big week, I'm a bit strategic about it. Like I pack my green dress for the Masters or, you know, something magnolia colored. Um, if it's if it's week to week in studio, I've got, I've got my wardrobe in studio where I leave all my dresses and it's just whatever I feel like is most comfortable that day. Um, obviously, you know, if it's, if it's a bigger occasion, then it's a little bit more planned. Right. Perfect. Okay. Love it. The golf ball. Are you marking it any specific way? Some people like to put a smiley face or an X or a phone number. You know, I used to have this really cool, you might not think it's cool. This, uh, this, st- <laughs> this my mom gave me a stocking filler one year, which was like a stamp. So I could stamp a oh. paw, paw print, which is weird. Cause I've never had a dog. Hmm. I think it was, a, I think it was a big paw print, and I used to stamp every ball with that. But now right. it's run out of ink, so I don't really do anything now. All right, everybody listening. So if you find a ball with a paw print, it could be cars. Yeah, I always get twisted on that question because I'm like, are they going to answer this? Like, what do you mark on your ball, or what with do you coin? mark your ball with? Oh, as in a sharpie. We, yeah, we, no, like, we have- yeah, or like I use a special coin, like that one guy who Chris had the, gold, yeah, the silver medal. 
Trotty was talking about, yeah, he kind of devalued what he had. Is he won some medals and he's he's like, oh yeah, I marketed with my medal, and everyone's like, oh my god, it's so precious. He's like, ah, whatever, I don't care. What okay, is your- you mean a bull marker? Yeah, that's whatever I find in my bag. There you go. What is your go-to snack at the turn? Are you just like a pack of cigarettes and a beer? Do you go for a hot dog, protein <laughs> so bar? Orange yeah, juice. I'm just a six pack and no food. Uh, no, I don't. I don't actually. I'm not. A, I'm not a beer drinker. I'm not. I, oh. I'm like a wait for the wine in the clubhouse. Okay. Yeah. What about because what growing a- up in England? You know, we're not used to having a refreshment cart driving around, so it's not at your as disposal as much as it can be in the U.S. But I do. I'm do love a snack. So Snickers is probably my go-to golf course snack. All right, I got a friend here. We got a friend here. Yeah. Dream for some. Told they're kind of healthy. Sorry, carry on. No, no, that's okay. Yeah, they are ish, right? There's cool. peanuts. I mean, they're not healthy, but they've got the nuts in, right? right. So they give you a bit. There's a bit of pro, like there's a bit of kind of something. Placebo just gets rid of the hanger. <laughs> it's a placebo. Uh, <laughs> this is a cliche question. Dream for some, dead or alive, who would you love to be on the golf course with? Actors, comedians, professional golfers. Podcast hosts, podcast kids, yeah. <laughs> the four Jack crew, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yes, um, that goes without saying. I think. Well, I think everyone would like to play a round of golf with Tiger. Now, I'm supposed to be playing in the pro am for the PNC next week, so there is a chance. Oh. Right? Probably quite unlikely, but there's a chance. Put in a Who good I'm word. We'd love to have Mon. With is Greg Norman. Never played golf with him, and he was really the guy that I obviously Fowler was the Brit, but of that generation growing up, he was the guy that I really followed. Um, so of like the big stars, him, Sevi, but you know, to take it back on the personal side, I never really started playing golf when my brother was here. So I would, I would like probably spare my brother and I'm not going to put my dad in that because he gets way too frustrated at me not playing very well. Say, I'll just bring my bro along to play maybe with Tiger and Greg Norman. Let's do that full. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to add one onto this question though. In that PNC, if you're, if you're to be paired with Tiger and Charlie. If you're playing Charlie heads up, who's taking who's money? Charlie. Charlie's winning hands down. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's good. We're all going to see it next week. Yeah. But he is. There has been some stuff in social media and it's like, it's, it's he's a little a bit, yeah, it's a little bit scary. I'm, I'm and he's a good trash talker as well. I've heard that. Hole in one. Hole in one. How many and where? Oh, never. Are you kidding me? I've never broken 90. <laughs> yeah, but you're, that's the you kind of person that has the most. You get it in the hole one. Yeah, that's one. like three wood, <laughs> knee height, into the pin, down it drops. I've seen it a bunch yeah. of times. Never, ever had a hole in one, unfortunately. All right, All right. So, we're so, with you. I just spoke about my dad. It took him until he was 60 to have his first hole in one. He's played his whole life like proper golf. That'll be me. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to the no hole in one club. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is a no hole in right. one podcast. <laughs> When you're talking to the to other in. golf channel friends, that'll be that's what I kind of <laughs> want. Yeah, the podcast that no one's ever had a hole in one is going to be our our shtick. <laughs> Changing our name to the Ace List Pod, yeah. X Golf Pros. Hence, right? Like, obviously, why we're not anymore. Uh, two more best questions. Best player never to win a major. You could just you know be the best player never to have had a hole in one. Exactly. Okay, I like this. Or to never play in a professional tournament, right? <laughs> <laughs> two more, and I'm going to shoot it over to Chris. Favorite golf course that you've had the opportunity to play. My favorite course is, is well, the, my favorite course generally is my home course, um, Royal St. Ports that I mentioned of Deal, um, down in Kent, where we play every summer. We also play at Warpleston and the Berkshire back towards London. But um, in terms of courses that I've been able to play, that there was an incredible opportunity. It was probably Muirfield Village. Oh, Muirfield. Nice. Uh, how do we... We came with some friends there, stayed on property in a cottage and, and played both days and had caddies and called in the airstrikes for, for refills and just had a really great weekend. And 
you know, to be able to play a golf course like that, that you've seen on TV so often, you know, you're familiar with some of the holes trying to play them yourself um, was pretty cool. So I've never played Augusta, Pine Valley, places like that, but um, Muirfield Village um, for me right now has been the best. That's the one. Love it. All right. One more from me. What is your best score on or off the golf course? Well, that's a cryptic question. It's a tricky yeah. question, right? Like, Usually you, know, you got to say your spouse if they're going to listen. child, right? <laughs> right. Okay, thanks for helping me out <laughs> on that one. <laughs> we bailed you out. Yeah, my obviously biggest achievement is my child, which I'm thankful to my husband for. Amazing. And um, my best score on the golf course is horrendous, but my husband did have a 67 on Sunday, so I'll just give him a shout out for that. What? Player. Jeez, what a stick. I appreciate you saying that you're thankful to your husband for the child. Yeah, part. Yeah. As a man, it's kind of like, <laughs> we're not very appreciated in that process. So it's, yeah, I see you. <laughs> Let me part. tell you, my child has blonde hair and blue eyes and that was nothing to do with me. So I'm really extra grateful to my husband for providing that part. <laughs> yeah. I used to be a toe head too, and it all it all disappeared at some yeah, point. Yeah, it's going to change, I know, but I'm enjoying it while it's there. There you go. Yeah, take it while you can. Okay, final question for you. If you are Mike Wan or Jay Monahan, you could be two different answers, can be one. What if you could be commissioner for a day? What is the change in golf that you're gonna make? I'm gonna make a mixed tournament. Oh yes. Without doubt. That's well, sick. And and look, I've spoke to I spoke to Anthony Scanlon about this. Um, who's the guy um who used to be head of the IGF? Um, well, he still is very involved with the IGF. Um, Annika Sorenstam has now taken over Peter Dawson's role as president. But, you know, a lot of people couldn't understand why the Olympics weren't doing that. And and to listen to his train of thought is that, look, they only have this stage um, once every four years. And if they do a match play knockout, they lose half the field after one day. And that's that's they saw, saw that as a bit of a shame. Um, so hence why they wanted to go with the 72-hole stroke play. I think we've got to see an event. Um, if I was Mike Wan and or Jay Monaghan come together, um, which I'm sure they're trying to do. Um, and I think will happen um, sooner rather than later is, is yeah, to see a tournament with with guys and girls, not necessarily competing against each other, because I think that becomes a bit tricky with teams yeah, and stuff. But um, I think as a team, you know, um, like, you know, we've always said when we thought the Olympics was going to be in that format, you know, imagine Tiger Woods and Michelle Wee a few years ago or, whoever it might be, you know, I think to see the, the men and women playing together in a team match play event would be awesome. And it would just bring, you know, even more eyes to the game. Well, we're even seeing it at the Victoria Open. I mean, not that they're competing against each other, but it's mixed and it's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's getting a lot of attention. Why wouldn't you do that? It is getting a lot of attention. And it, and that, what's so cool about that is it's kind of two tournaments happening within one. It's two separate tournaments happening on the same course mm -hmm. uh, and using the different tees because they're not competing against each other in that sense. But it's like you'll have a girls group and a guys group, but we need that. We need the big names to play in something like that so that everyone, everyone sees it. Bring to the attention to it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Excellent. Been lots of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. Like we seriously can't uh, thank you enough for donating your time tonight on a busy, uh, busy Thursday. I know of this time is precious for a mom, but uh, we appreciate it. And you're no, well, I mean, I'm 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 child free this week, so I have a lot more time on my hands. All so right, you are in a hotel room. So accommodating, and now I can just watch Netflix and chill out. Yes, you probably deserve it. It's probably been a long day, but yeah. Again, thank you so much for your time. I'm so happy we nailed you down finally. 
it's been an absolute pleasure. It's always nice to have a little peek behind the curtain, get a little insight from a different perspective from the Golf Channel. So we uh, we wish you all the best this week. Hopefully it's a, a fantastic storyline to, to talk about and hopefully we'll connect uh, in the future sometime. Yeah, of course. No worries. Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Thanks for asking. And yeah, we're always here. So give us a shout anytime. Awesome. Thank Appreciate you so much. Appreciate it, Kara. Nice to hear your story too from my end. Perfect. Thank you, everybody. And we'll chat with you guys next week.